0: So, I have a question for both of you. This is a weird way to start the show, but I was thinking the other day about how long we've been doing this show and things that we have said in the past that I'm wondering if they're still true. Oh. So, this is not scary. I just happened to think about it. So, a, a long time ago, we were talking about tools that we liked and disliked, and David was talking about how he really, really disliked the router. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot since then. Mm-hmm. You've made a lot of things. You've gotten different
1: tools. Do you still hate the router? I still hate the router. It's, it is just this spinning tool of death. And um, I feel like I have more control Like at the table saw. If I have to cut a rabbit or a dado, I will usually do it at the table saw Except yesterday I had to do it at the router because I needed a, a stop. And that was the mm-hmm. only good way was to do it at the router. I feel like sometimes um, the router hits a, a, a bit of grain that's going in a different direction and it catches. And it ruins the piece or it, you, it's just a scary moment. Um, and then I should know by now, but... Sometimes when the router is this way, you have to go in this direction. But when you flip the router the <laughs> yeah. other way, you have to go in the other direction. And I always have to stop and think: which way do I have to go when I'm not at the router table? And
0: I do that. I do a test piece every single time for that yeah. reason. Yeah.
2: Every time. I'll know each time, but I always have to tap the wood just to see which way it's going to pull out of my hand, and then I'll know which way to <laughs> right, approach. Right. Right. Always. Yeah. So I I
1: I, I use it when I need to. If there's a choice between the router and another tool, I will most likely pick the other tool. I I will never not use it because I'm scared of it, um, unless it's an actual dangerous situation. But yeah, I still respect the router quite a
0: bit. Mm -hmm. The reason I thought about that is because yesterday I was cutting, I'm making something for the next couple weeks, and I had 68 strips of wood, and I had to put a round over on two sides of all of these. So I spent a long time at the router table, doing the same action. And I realized after a couple of them that I could see myself, and I had music on and stuff, I could see myself getting really comfortable and not paying attention to what I'm doing because there's such a big pile of wood that I have to do this to. So I was trying really hard to be attentive to what I was doing. And that made me think about you talking about the router in the past for that same reason and Mm -hmm. stuff. And So I
1: was just curious if anything had changed. I wonder if like... uh, Getting a power feeder for the router table would would ease a lot of that. Hmm. You know, just you throw the piece in, it sucks it through the, through its its wheels, and you, you don't have to be anywhere near that dangerous bit.
2: Another good thing is to build a shroud that will suck the wood in and keep it exactly where you want it, almost like a feather board from two sides. Yeah, yeah. You know that that always really helps too, especially when you're doing a lot of repetitive like molding or whatever it is. Hmm.
0: So, uh, Jimmy, my question for you is. <laughs> Do you still have that coffin?
2: <laughs> the one that I made?
0: Well, the No, 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 one. the one that you bought at a flea market like a weirdo. I do. <laughs> I remember a long time ago you bought this like it's like a like a rattan That's or
2: right. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: right. Do you still have that? I do. Is it like still on your new
2: porch? No, no, no. I I have it. I have it. It's in the it's in the workshop up on It's kind of weird cuz it's way up. We have these like kind of forklift pallet racking in the back and it's up on top covered in a linen shroud so it looks like you know (laughs) i have like an ex-girlfriend up there like stored like there's actually somebody in it yeah well i covered it with this linen we had this linen blanket and so i just threw it over it just so that it wouldn't sit up there and get covered with you know workshop dust and now you guys know i bought a cough uh you guys know i bought a, a hers right yeah. So the hearse yeah, is here. Sense. And uh, I told the guy that delivered it is also a little bit like a morbid curiosity collector guy. The guy that delivered it, my, my new friend, Jeff Brown Customs. And uh, Jeff was telling me different types of coffins. I said, I have what's called classically called the toe pincher. It's like kind of the vampire, like Abe Lincoln type coffin that kind of gets wide at the shoulders, tight at the top, tight at the mm-hmm. feet, it's sometimes called the toe pincher. I said, I have a toe pincher from Sicily that's from about 1950. I said it might look cool in here. It's all mahogany, hand carved. My dad got me that years ago, and uh, I get that. I guess in like I get that over twenty three years ago, and it's in one of my storage containers. I said that might look cool in here, and I said I also have a rattan one. uh, You know, it's like wicker. It's kind of more like a. It's like a vintage, it's like a Victorian-era body bag where you would put a deceased in it and carry them out of the house because the handles are on both oh. extreme ends. There's no handles along gotcha. the side. It's all like, so there's two wooden handles, one at each short end, so you can kind of walk down a set of stairs with somebody. And he said, yeah, those are typically, he said that's called a, a, a body, because he knows all about it. He goes, that's called a a, a, a body cooler so that like you could, put somebody in and because it's rattan and wicker that like, you know, the fumes and whatever, it doesn't get hot inside there. Like it's, it's obviously pre-cooling, it's pre-refrigeration, it's pre. So um, he's from about 18, 1880s, 1890s. And he said, they're, wow. they're very valuable. He said, typically he goes, do you have the top and the bottom? I said, I do. He said, he said, it's, it's very valuable to collectors. He says, usually you only have the bottom. The tops are always missing. In fact, when he was helping dissolve the collection of the gentleman, I, whose car used to own the car I just got. He said he sold one with no top. But uh, he said they're highly collectible. So I have that one. I have the one I huh. made, and I have the one from Sicily that my dad found me on Long Island. So I have three caskets. But the one that I made is kind of more like I consider it like a, you like know, a Halloween prop.
0: Yeah. So you should take the mahogany one, put it in the back of your hearse, and then put it on like a – instead of a gurney that would – come out and you could roll it. well I guess you could put it on a roller on Gurney. But anyway, turn the inside of it into a toolbox. Yeah. And then you could drive your hearse to a job site, pull your coffin out, open it up, and you've got all of your yeah. tools, your nondescript, non-branded
1: tools.
2: <laughs> nondescript, non-branded. Very important from our early <laughs> yeah. conversation.
1: Yeah. It wouldn't be cool to make some sort of cart that it wheels and it hits the the back end and then the front wheels kind of flip up. Well, there was a gurney in in the there back. There was a gurney
2: in. Right? Yeah, I'm going to do a video where I kind of go through the whole thing. There's so many beautiful little details in the car, and you know, I always say like if you can acquire these things that inspire you. People, I don't really have a reason why I bought that thing other than the fact that it's a beautiful object, and mm-hmm. I like to sometimes uh, observe, take in something that isn't necessarily in my wheelhouse. And I'm not a mortician and I'm not somebody that builds Cadillacs into hearses. But when you see that, you see that sort of specific industry, you know, that's kind of parallel to everybody else's universe, but nobody looks because it's either weird or whatever. So to kind of take it in and really like, you know, possess it and look and look at the way the switches and understand how this car was delivered to Superior hearse with no back on it, just the nose. And then Superior hearse builds the whole back. You know, they make all their own tooling for all those various yeah. parts year to year. This is what Jeff told me. And, uh, you know, you have M&M as a different hearse company that makes the back differently. So you had like three coach companies in the 50s, and the 60s, and the 70s, all doing their own versions. So like, for instance, the, uh, the Ghostbuster Mobile is a 59 m M&M m ambulance. And sometimes they were called combos, ambulance, and a hearse. And it, what's mm-hmm. oddly coincidental is... John uh, Oliver just did a story on ambulances and how they get funded and how they're typically underfunded and how they're like a for-profit system. And uh, he talked for a minute about how, like when hearses were used as ambulances only because they were long and nobody ever thought like it's, it's, it's a necessity communal need to like have a machine to bring it to the hospital. And that's when hearses and ambulances kind of like had this crossover period throughout the 60s. And so this machine that I got is technically called a combo because it's got an ambulance thing on top, but it could also, you could flip all the things over so you could slide a hearse in Uh. on the rollers. So the gurney is for somebody that's possibly going to make it. And then you could unclip the gurney and then put a box in it for someone that didn't make it. Oh, crazy.
0: Yeah. It's, that was interesting. Like, it, I actually turned on sound on Instagram when I was watching your stories. So, feel honored. Thank you. Um, but that was really cool. Like, I hadn't ever considered the fact that it was a, it was like a, 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 a Cadillac that was manufactured and then sent and modified. Yeah. I, did, I just never put that together because yeah. I'd never even heard of that being a thing. I guess that makes sense because it's like, you know, like a a Roush version of a Mustang or something right, where you yeah. take this stock thing and then you modify it to a specific thing, put a new label on it, whatever. Like AMC, like AMC that and
2: going. and uh, there's another Mercedes. AM, you can do an AMC Mercedes and there's like a, there's like a fancy Mercedes, which is kind of usually used for like with a chauffeur and stuff. It was like a Daywood or something. I can't remember. Or Dagwood. I forget the name, mm. but it's like, it is like the Rolls Royce of Mercedes, but it's made by a coach company outside of Mercedes. But they start on a, you know, Mercedes sedan, and but it's like longer, more room in the back. It's kind of like a limo version of it. But yeah, so these cars were made to order. So if you were a funeral service or a city service that wanted to maybe have a, a mortuary vehicle, you would talk to, to Superior coach builders and, and order one with the various options you wanted. Maybe you had a very specific reason to have some oddball thing in there and they would build that specifically for your specific needs. I'm
0: going to do that with my Carmen gear. just like make a really fancy Claggett badge huh? and put on the back of it. Like it's the Claggett edition.
2: Yeah. Well this car, it's funny. This the only, everyone's like, what are you going to do to it? I, I mean I have this slight inclination to paint it black because it's like this faded gray. But I probably oh, gray is cool. I probably won't do it because it's too involved. This there's like literally hundreds of pieces of chrome to remove to like paint it correctly. And I'm not gonna get into that. I don't have the time for that. Um but uh the uh the only thing I might do is make like a you know my logo in aluminum and polish it. And there's these two things in the window. So if you're gonna it might say funeral service, you just like they literally drop in. So the bracket is there and there's two pins. And Jeff said, these are all kind of standard, this distance of these pins. It might say your branded funeral company. It might say, you know, city ambulance. It might say police, whatever you wanted to stick in there for that moment. And they were usually made in aluminum, cast aluminum and polished. So I might make that just so it kind of looks period to the car. I might not even use my typical font. But uh, that might be something that I do to it. But that's it. And then I'm just going to leave it like yeah. that. I wouldn't do anything else to it. All the curtains. You should make it original. say, like,
0: duress funeral
2: services. That'd <laughs> be Mortuary. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's, been sending me these funny, everyone's been sending me these funny <laughs> rhymes. Like, you kill them, we chill them, and, like, all this stupid stuff like that.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come up with a funny one that kind of, like, maker, maker-centric. Yeah. But it's cool. cool. It's a cool well, object. Well, yeah.
0: It is it it really is. Like showing some of the the up close stuff on Instagram. It was pretty awesome to see and the interior. It did freak me out a little bit how many fluid stains there were oh, uh, on that gurney. I know. And <laughs> I was like I don't I don't know. I I mean this thing came out of you said it came out of active use and like went into a and I thought maybe they at least like Clean the sheets and stuff,
1: <laughs> and then put it in the warehouse. But apparently they just. I didn't put it see in the that, warehouse. but I'm now disgusted.
2: It's like a hotel yeah, room was, from like 1960. Kind
1: of oh, man. <laughs> so anyway, David, what have you been Hello. Uh, Hello. uh Hello. Hello. So last week I ordered some braided lamp cords with the with the light socket on there, thinking I'm going to turn some things into lamps. And so the the plan was to go to the this huge antique mall. And find something that I could modify into a lamp, and then while there, I saw this old Kennedy Kits toolbox, and it's the toolbox that um, it splits open up at the top, and then has like the tackle box oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. L- levels of of inside compartments, and it was in really good shape. And I was like, this just looks cool. I want it, and I bought it. And I thought I want to try to make this, but out of wood, which has a lot of challenges to it because there's all these hinges on there and it's all sheet metal that's folded into this size and so to make it out of half inch or three quarter inch wood is presents some some weird challenges so i I ditched the whole lamp idea and so now i've been working on this on this toolbox this wooden toolbox and it's it'll probably be the most challenging project to date out of all the big things I've made it's a, this little one that has all these little movable parts and I, it's coming out really cool I'm super super happy with it and uh it's it's just kind of funny how I went there with one idea and I scratched it it's the moment I saw this toolbox and uh and so that's that is what I'm working on now I also um, my buddy who races sprint cars his wife is usually his crew chief, but she couldn't make it to one of the races. So last week, uh, he called me up and said, "Hey, you want to go to the races with me and be in charge of air pressure and and a gopher?" So I did that, and that was super fun. I've I filmed it all. I don't know what the story is, so I may or may not make a video. But I filmed everything. Got some amazing GoPro footage. Uh, a couple wrecks happened right in front of brian and it's just like right there on the gopro Mm. and so it's it looks it's kind of scary Mm. so um i might i might record some sort of voiceover and try to pull a story out of that but i don't want to just post a video just because i have cool footage you know this may be the wrong question to
0: ask but i'm curious in those races if there are wrecks does anybody ever get hurt or are the carts set up in a way that you have enough buffer to where you don't really get
1: hurt. Well, this is um, this is a full on sprint car, so it's it's. It, I mean, we oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. four hundred and ten cubic feet engine. It's got like eight nine hundred horsepower. So there's there's a roll cage. So you're inside this roll cage, and of course you have a helmet. You've got a fire suit on. You've got arm restraints. So if you do flip, your arms don't go outside the the car. It's all kind of held in. You got a neck brace. You got the five point harness. Um, so you're pretty protected. I mean, injuries do happen because those things, um, you know, we're we're, ta- we're talking eight nine hundred horsepower, and it's just yeah, right a, a lot of power. Um, but uh, it's it most most of the time nobody gets hurt. It looks spectacular. It looks scary, but mo- nobody gets hurt in the karting world. We have um, I forget the actual term for the carts flat. Flat. Uh, I think it's called a flat cart. So there is no roll cage. You are not strapped to your seat. Um, it is very bottom heavy, so they rarely roll over, but it does happen, and it's always scary. Mm-hmm. But it's like a motorcycle. Anytime there's not a roll cage, you are not strapped to the seat. You are thrown out of of the vehicle. But if there was a roll cage, then you have to be strapped into your seat. So, um, right. but the, the go-karts... On the tracks that we're racing at, they're smaller tracks, and we're not getting past thirty-five miles an hour. is Probably the max that we're that we're getting. Still pretty fast when you're that low to the ground. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, in my go kart track, when you're going like literally fifteen miles an hour, it feels like you're going two hundred. I can't imagine what it feels like yeah. going thirty-five <laughs> miles an hour, an inch off the ground.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and we're still doing everything that we can to protect ourselves. I wear a neck brace. Neck braces are not required, but. I wear one and a helmet. Yeah. I have my body's covered from scrapes or whatever, anything that can happen. I would prefer to race a cart that had a roll cage and I was strapped in. I would feel better about that. But that takes a slightly bigger track, and there's just not many of those carts around. So, yeah. take a chance, drive fast, <laughs> take lots of chances. That's how I live my life. It's, yeah, you should put that on a shirt <laughs> I think somebody well, Jimmy, else said that. I, it, it would have been, it would be a stolen oh, yeah. I don't know where it comes from, but
0: yeah, it's from a movie, I think. Okay, it sounds familiar, but yeah. Anyway,
2: Jimmy, what do you, what do you, you guys, think? have you guys seen the Instagram? Everyone's been talking about it. Kind of on the side, be a man, Boston, be a man. Have you guys seen that? Oh, I've no. seen the TikToks. Yeah, yeah. The guy does, it's just like, it's just like this wacky dude and just tells you like the, the, the craziest things. And then at the end of it, just goes, be a man. So, like Dave just said, this, that, and the other thing. And at the end, just go, be a man. Basically, like, <laughs> be rude and obnoxious <laughs> and be a man. And like, most of them are extremely funny. Anyway, go check it out. But what have I been up to? You asked? I've been. Uh, yes, that's what Since I- Sunday, well, we were all supposed to be, or at least I was supposed to be. Is today the fourth? What is today? Today the fourth? is the fourth, yeah. Well, right now, it's supposed to be Maker Central in Birmingham. And I was also supposed to be meeting with uh, a team of filmmakers from India that are making a documentary about makers around the universe. And I was one of several makers they were going to interview at Maker Central. So when the, everything got shifted around again, uh, they contacted me and said, hey, can we just come to your workshop and film you instead, instead of meeting in Birmingham, which obviously has been postponed. And I said, sure. So they showed up here on Sunday from Birmingham and sorry, from from India. They came here from India and they've been filming me doing various things around my shop. Some stuff contrived for the video just, to, just so they have me doing things, which is why yesterday I made the Tin Man. Because in their interview, they interviewed me and I said a couple things about the Tin Man and how he inspired me as a kid and uh, from the Wizard of Oz movie. So they said, after they kind of had some conversation, they can be like, can you make a tin man while we're here? I was like, not really enough time to make a real tin man, but I can make a silhouette of a tin man. (laughs) I can make a lawn ornament tin man. And that's, and I I really actually really happy with it. So I'm going to turn that video into a, a illustrator lesson. It'll get, it'll get eight views, but uh, it'll be a good video for the people that like illustrator. And so I'm going to do, it's going to basically had a, use some video, how to use some photographic reference to make something and then use Illustrator, then turn it into vectors, combine all your vectors, blah, 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 blah. So that video will be coming out eventually. I took a break from videos this week. I have a couple in the shoot and uh, it was just a relaxing week to not have to like stress about hitting publish. So I will publish this Saturday, I think. Um, But the, the crew has been good. It's funny when somebody comes into your environment and starts looking at and pointing at and touching and talking about all the things you have, you have like this moment of escape, like you step outside your own reality for a minute and you're like, wow, why did I buy a, uh, why, why did I buy this coffin car? I don't know. Why did I, I guess I bought it. Cause like they, they want an explanation and it's hard for me to like nail down an explanation. And they're like, and they keep saying, where is your museum? Where is your museum? You have this beautiful museum of antique machines. Can you take us to your museum? I'm like, well, I don't ever remember saying that in the notes or in the conversation. It's like, The museum is everything around me. And it's like this machine, that machine. And so they're like, oh, we had this impression that you have a museum. I was like, well, I was going to do the printing press thing, which I'm in the process of doing, but it's not done yet. So uh, I said, if you want to take that approach, just have like all my machines be the museum. And so they have like kind of a bigger concept. So it's it's fun working with them. I don't know what ultimately it's going to look like until I see it. I'm not involved in the editing or the development of it, but they are having uh, a good time. Uh, kind of sketching up the concept of like a little documentary about me and, you know, my relationship to the maker community and, and what what I get out of it. So it's fun. It's, it's, it's real interesting to have to like stop and analyze where you don't typically stop and analyze. You just keep moving. I mean, we do it very on a tiny scale each week when we talk about the things we talk about, but here it's by the end of the day, they're going to be gone, but they've been here since Sunday morning. So And there'll be four solid days of me talking about myself and showing my stuff off and helping them. So they wanted to film me making a video for myself. So I'm in the, I'm like shooting a a, a YouTube video of me, like designing the tin man, making the tin man. And then they're all like, I was like, could you step out of my camera now? Now you're in my camera. I was like, Get out of my camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. So I've been busy with that. I do have a couple of videos coming out. Um, you know, Nothing ground shattering. But uh, I'm working on the trailer still, slowly in the background. I don't want to show too much about it until it's kind of a little bit more buttoned up. And um, what else is going on? Me and Taylor are scheduled to take a trip in the middle of August. We might have to talk. I might have to take a week off, but we could talk about that. We're going to go uh, out west with our car and the trailer that we just got from Oregon Trailers, and take a little road trip for two weeks, and then come back mm, and then get awesome. into the fall.
0: But it's like fall already. Are you are you planning that trip out? Like
2: we're going to stop here and here and here. Or are you just going to like start driving? And- Taylor has an idea. I didn't ask. I'll just tell, when she tells me to stop <laughs> driving, I'll stop driving. Yeah. So whatever she wants to do is what we're going to do, but we're going to end up, uh, we have a destination in mind, but we'll see if we get there and try and get back here in time. I have to shoot another TV video, such and such at the end of the month, which I might have to just push off. We'll see. It's not, it's not strictly set, but so we have like a a comeback time somewhere around like August 7th, August 27th or 28th, but we might just blow that off. I'll see if I can get out of it. Mm. And then we'll get back here and, uh, then it's it already feels like fall. Like every day this week, it's been cold <laughs> yeah. out. Like,
0: yeah, it's unbelievable. It's cooler here. It's not cold yet, but it's definitely cooler. It's been
2: like sixty-five than... degrees every day for the last three days, and like at night, it goes down to like fifty-five. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, it'll be a good time of the year to drive cross country. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Um. So with that trailer, I saw some pictures of it that you had, you were showing off. It looks awesome. Have you laid down in it yet?
2: Well, the funny thing happened yesterday. I haven't climbed into it until just yesterday. My dad was up here. They brought, my, they asked my dad to come. So my sister brought my dad up here. My dad's getting old, so I wouldn't expect him to drive this far. So my sister brought him, and uh, they interviewed my dad. And uh, oh, by the way, I could kind of promote it a little bit here. My dad showed up exactly the moment I was supposed to go in with Core Seventy Seven and do record a stream. I'm doing a series with the people at core 77. We're going to do five episodes and when it publishes, I'll let everybody know we're going to run what we're recording. We're pre-recording these things. We're going to run them and then do a a, a live Q and a right after each one of them airs. So, but we're recording them so we can edit into a good conversation. And, uh, it's all about developing a product, what you need to do and to develop a product. And so, uh, just as my dad showed up, I had to go in and record that, so they interviewed my dad for an hour and a half without me, so I have no idea what he said about me, so it should oh. be it should be a nice surprise when I eventually see it but um Jimmy, from thirteen to fifteen oh, yeah, oh my God, I can only imagine what he said collecting bandsaws, yeah, he's worse than me, so he can he can but he my dad always gets nervous when he comes up here and he sees the amount of money I spend on stuff that's kind of frivolous, mm. so he gets all nervous. I was like, "Don't worry, it's not going to be your bills. Don't worry about it." Um, you asked me a specific question, Bob. I'm, I'm flammering trying. The the trailer. Have you laid down in? Oh, the so yesterday I went to show my dad the trailer, and one of the doors was locked. I was like, "That's interesting. I hope the other one's not locked because I know I never turned the key. It was locked because the slider had slid. So I pushed it and moved it into like a little hill area in my back." driveways because it's now it's facing down backwards and there's these little metal sliders that if you i would imagine if you pick the trailer up on its end they would just go tink the little slider would lock and lock the door and so i said oh so i got panicked that i thought both doors just like the locks had slid because i pushed it down this hill and just one of them did and i opened the other door and i climbed in and then had unlocked the other door so that was the first time i got in it and i just laid on my back for a minute looked up at the ceiling i was like this is gonna be fun it's to be fun. It's like having a little clubhouse. It's
0: long enough, and it's comfortable. And yeah,
2: definitely. And so we'll camp in it. But we we'll also we're also not opposed to just like parking and going into a hotel if we need to. You yeah. know, yeah. It's pretty funny. You see these overlander cars, which has been a, a huge trend. Obviously, these overlanders they take a bus and turn it into like a full on living space, or they take a sprinter van and turn it into a full on living space. And uh, it, it's funny because. You see, like in America, there's nowhere, there's almost nowhere you can't go. Someone's probably gonna yell at me on Twitter after they hear this. There's almost nowhere you can't go where there's a bathroom nearby. There's almost nowhere you can't go where you can at least stop and get like a, you know, a honey bun at a gas station in America. So, but these people building these machines as if like, you know, they're in a vault and there's no outside world. But we've seen some guys in Europe that have these cars and these guys like drive from like the frozen tundra of, you know, uh, Eastern Russia and they drive and they, and they, you know, so they're like literally landships. So some, in some instances they do have to be completely self-contained, but in America, I see all these people and let me and Taylor dabble with the idea of building a, a travel trailer, a travel car. And I said, I don't, I don't see the need to put a bathroom in it. I think it's just complicates complicated well, stuff.
0: I think you know being on the East Coast. I think we, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Like you're never that far away from anything. Yeah. If you go out to the desert, you go west. Uh, yeah, I've done that. I a few I know yeah. people who are you know in the overland community. They'll go out in the middle of nowhere and stay in the middle of nowhere yeah. for several days yeah. in a row. I think that's the thing. It's yeah. like yeah, you could drive a couple hours to get to Vegas or to wherever. Right. But that's true. If you stay where you are, then you know that's a little bit different. But
2: well, I would just go and I would go in the desert. Go in the woods, <laughs> yeah. but so we um, talking about. And I'm I'm actually getting involved in a little bit of that because this trailer that I'm building is going to have to have like a grey water and a and a clean and a grey water only just to have like a sink to wash mm. dishes and stuff. Not not for any other reason. This is going to be kind of a traveling kitchen. So I'm getting into a little bit of that, like you know the the pots and the sinks and the drainage and the and the portage in, in and out of the thing. So, I'll be getting into that uh, when we get back. So, I have, when I get back, I have the whole month of September to literally focus on the trailer and, and button it up and get it done. has to be done. I have a little bit of a fantasy that they're going to cancel the project and I get to keep it. And then I could turn <laughs> it into it because they've already moved it. They moved the goalposts several times already. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're having budget problems or whatever, but I mean, I'm into the thing for several thousand dollars. I, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if I just get to keep it. So, yeah.
0: Hmm. I've, I've often thought about, some sort of trailer or Jenny has always wanted to get like an RV for not for, to live in or anything, but just as a travel, you know, weekend trips kind of thing. I, my grandparents had a, uh, an RV motor home, I guess is what it would have been called. Cause it drove under its own power. Um, when I was growing up, I remember going on several trips in that thing. Winnebago. And now it was not a brand name that I remember. It was just a big, robin's egg blue rectangle that drove. <laughs> um, I remember going on several trips in that thing. And so I've thought about like, well, we could do that with our kids. But we have four kids. And so to get something big enough to at least have like even the minimal size bed, like we would have to get something pretty good size. Uh, not too long ago, somebody sent a friend of mine sent me a Facebook marketplace thing for an Airstream. And it was one of the longer Airstreams. And I thought, oh, maybe this is the thing, because it was in pretty good shape, wasn't terribly expensive, a little bit more than I would have wanted to spend. But I thought this might be the big enough thing that could house us all if we wanted to go that route, because it was so long. And so I looked inside of it and started looking at the bed options. And I'm like, nope, that could hold like four of us, maybe. Like, there's no way we could get, you know, eventually four teenagers and two adults into this. Mm. uh, Like, it's just not going to happen. So I don't know that that type of thing would ever work for the size of you family need to buy
2: you need to buy a used rock and roll van hool you know like these big giant oh, yeah. that's what you need yeah. it has like a big sticker of like running stallions on the side this is the claggots yeah. or something <laughs> and you know all the windows are like a double decker and you have Josh drive you around cool. we're at our destination <laughs> Be back here in an hour like he swings the door open and you'll like run into Disneyland or whatever <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I don't think we'll ever do anything like that, but it would be cool. But the funny thing about that kind of a thing with our size family is that I couldn't get a teardrop trailer. I'd have to pick one kid
2: to go on the trip every time. Sorry, this weekend it's your turn. Yeah, it's an intimate thing. We're gonna have fun, you know. With the dogs, we'll travel with the dogs. It's just gonna we're just gonna go on like a you know a, a sightseeing trip. Across the country, yeah. we've done it. I, oh, it hasn't sure. been; it's been a while. But Taylor and I have driven across the country a few times. I guess 2017 was our last trip because when I did, I did this show, uh, uh, making it season one. Taylor drove out to pick me up. She she had major FOMO of like not being there on the set, so she drove out. She's like, "I'm coming." I'm like, "All right, come." She's like, "I'll drive you home." I was like, "Right." So she drove out with a girlfriend. Her girlfriend flew home, and uh, her and I drove back. That was in 2017. So that's the last time we traversed the United States, but it's always fun. On that trip, we drove all the way to the middle of the country, like even past Colorado the entire time on two lane roads. We never got on a highway. Takes, takes a tremendous amount. But we got ourselves into some pretty tricky situations that turned out to be really great memories. You know, Not bad, mm-hmm. not like we ran out of gas or anything, but just fun driving, you know. Two lane road, we went to Arches National Park, and from there, we oh, let's just go there. Oh, let's just go there. We'd be driving like we're going directly east, and every time we head east, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'll get home to be able to do some work. And then she'd be like, hey, I got a call from my friend, she lives northwest. I'm like, we're gonna go north for a day, and then we're gonna go back west like 100 miles. (laughs) That's like, we're gonna lose like three days to get home. Really wanted to see, can you just send them a message? Did you say it in that voice every time? <laughs> I like, no, I was like, that's great. Let's go see them. It's going to be yeah. great. All I'm seeing You're is three more teeth. days getting home later than I expected, yeah. just so she could say hi to somebody that she went to college with. Okay, great. <laughs> Let's send them a selfie. That's cool. It'll be, <laughs> a, it'll be a good trip, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's, awesome. She always forces me to have fun, and, and, I'm, and I never regret it, ultimately.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I made a really silly thing this week. Uh, <laughs> there's a He-Man figure, and whose name is Clamp Champ, and I, we have this running joke in our videos about a Clamp Champ, and it's not related to that character. In fact, I'd never even heard of that character until people started bringing it up. But, um, so this character—imagine like a human, normal sized human. Uh, his clamp, his, his weapon is the size of like, oh gosh, I don't even think of, like a bass drum. It's like that big around on his arm and it has these giant pincher clamp things sticking out of it. Like it, the scale is ridiculous. It's so <laughs> stupid. And so I decided to make that at full scale and make it work. And I used a pneumatic piston on the inside of it to push open and close these pincher things. And so it's a working clamp. <laughs> have you and, shown and any pictures this of this yet? Giant, no, I haven't. I don't even think I have any of it on my phone to even show you guys. But it's stupid, and it works really, really well.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> Is it kind of like the like it, uh, like the things that kind of parallel open and shut like this?
0: They don't. They don't parallel open. I looked at a bunch of different, and this was an interesting bit of research. Look at how you could do. Or do
2: they pinch like a this?
0: single point? Yeah, they, they pinch uh, off, a, off a center point. But looking at how you would make a grabber with a single moving point, there's a bunch of different ways to do that. And I thought of one way immediately, and then I found several other ways that were... Most of them were a lot more complicated. But uh, I ended up with this piston that moves forward and backwards. So it's moving a central point up and down. And as it moves up and down, there's a an offset pivot point. And so this arm pivots on that pivot point as the piston moves up and down so you do that two at the same time then they open and close the thing that was really fun about this was that i had a, a silhouette that i was working within that it needed to look like this little silly toy and so i just laid that out on the table and got to prototype with pieces of plywood and screws and hot glue and just trying to get the motion right and get the mechanics. It's
2: so funny. It's exactly what I talked about yesterday in the episode we recorded. Oh, just yeah? Take your object and lay it flat on the table and just get your mechanics figured out. If, it's, yeah. if in fact, it's a like electromechanical object or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. It's funny because I don't really do a whole lot of mechanical things. And it was a lot of fun to try something. No, that's not quite right. I could just rip it apart and do more. And it was all scrap, you know, whatever. And so I got the thing working by hand power. Then I added the piston to it, and that presented a bunch of new challenges about how things were connected. To you know, So I had to redo it to make it work with the piston. And this is still all in two dimensions without a top. And then eventually I had to add a top to it, and that reinforced all the pivot points with like, through bolts so that it was stronger. And I ended up being able to put like 110 PSI into this wow. pneumatic piston, and that thing snaps. Oh, I bet. Like it,
2: it, it, it
0: yeah, it, it pops. And it has a, the piston has a seven inch throw on it. No way. So the open to close is pretty significant. Wow. Um, and it was so much fun. And then I, when I got it finished, I, you know, added a bunch of silly details to the top to make it look like a giant toy and spray painted it silver. It's like a two color object, red Pinchers, silver thing, and strapped it on my arm and went outside and just like grabbed stuff and crushed stuff <laughs> with this thing. It was a lot of fun. And then that night, I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm getting old. I feel all sore and I don't know why I'm sore. And it took me forever to realize why my shoulder hurts so bad. It's cause I was carrying this big stupid pneumatic shield thing on my arm for like two hours. But anyway, so that video is coming out.
2: Is your, they look like ant pinchers? Is that where's the camera? Yep,
0: that's it. You made like that one?
2: Yep. And it's that scale. Oh man. Wow that's, that's crazy. Crazy. cool so that is really uh, it was a lot of fun it though. looks like ant ant pinchers it looks like ant biters yeah. i totally pictured something yep. different wow that's really cool Clamp so chip.
0: i you know i don't think it's a video that like a lot of people are gonna be like oh i wonder how that works or oh i really love that character or whatever I, it's just a thing that i kind of wanted to see if i could make
2: it and work. you did all those details and everything
0: a lot of them. I mean it's not one for one, but yeah. Most of that is so it was a plywood top and bottom to this thing just to hold all the mechanics inside. And then I took EVA foam and built up those details on the top. And I like I had to cut a ping pong ball in half to so I had two little half domes. Yeah. I took some flexible PVC pipe and cut that in half so I could have these half Let me ask tubes. you a dumb
2: question because in this toy it seems like the the pincher's fold exactly 180 degrees back to hide inside the mechanism. Do you guys do that?
0: Yeah. They don't go all the way back. The geometry was a little bit different, uh, and we could have gone a little bit further and made that happen. They go back to the point to where just the tips of the pinchers stick out of the side. And you could pull the... So
2: they don't hide away. And the but. pneumatic will the, expel them when you need to when you need them? Yep. Wow, so they have a yep. pretty wide swing. It's,
0: yeah, yeah, very wide. And it's kind of scary, uh, and it's hard to aim, because the point of contact, you know, imagine it, it's like a maybe a one-inch contact point, yeah. and it's out in front of this thing that you're holding yeah, on your arm. It's like a
2: foot away and from then the front when you, of it.
0: So this is all driven by a solenoid. So when I hit the button, they open, and then you lose your visual as to where that point of contact is. <laughs> so trying to grab something was actually really
2: difficult. Yeah. But How uh, how's come I don't know about this character? I never heard of him until now, but he's pretty explicitly shows up in a Google image search.
0: Yeah, uh, it was one of the later characters okay. of the original He-Man series, so it came out near the end. He's the only black character there is and with He-Man
2: himself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I think I don't think he was ever in the cartoon. He was in like comic books and stuff. And that's I'd never heard of him either. I loved He-Man when I was growing up, and I feel like I would have known about this character, but when we started doing the jokes and the videos, people started posting pictures and huh. comments about the character, so I found it, but and even in the new He-Man show that they came out with, he's in like one clip. So not a very known toy hmm. character, whatever. So wanted to give him some props, pay him some homage. But anyway, it was a fun, silly thing to to make that serves zero purpose whatsoever. And I only hurt myself a little bit. It wasn't too bad. I <laughs> So that when these pinchers fly back, they're, they're encapsulated in, uh, like I have a bumper kind of where they come back so that, you know, don't put your hand in the open slot and then you're fine. And the button is on the bottom. So I can hold this swing on one arm, like a shield. And then I can, with the other arm, I can reach kind of like in between my elbow and bicep area and then push this button and it opens and closes. And that keeps the pinchers completely away from my hands and my face and everything. So this one time we were having a conversation about something, and I went to touch the button, but I put my ring finger right around the edge of this thing where the the little pincher would fly back. And I hit the button, and it came back and just barely smacked the end of my ring finger, and, I don't know, maybe about a quarter-inch section of my cuticle is just gone.
1: just
0: (laughs) disappeared. (laughs) It's not really that bad, but it, it it's in like a vulnerable spot, you know, because every time my hand goes in my pocket or I was wearing gloves, working on the car Ghia, Well, that's another thing we're going to talk about. And, you know, just it, it gets a lot of wear and tear right there. So that was not a lot of fun. We're not talking about anything, but we're 40 minutes in. So I'm going to keep going. I went out to the farm the other day started taking the Carmen magia apart. I've never taken a car apart. There's a lot of parts to a car, <laughs> but I'm I am taking it down nut and bolt, like everything. And it feels really cool. It feels really good to, to just like disassemble and try to, you know, take mental pictures and physical pictures of like, this is what this looks like before I start pulling things out. And as I'm pulling out, I'm trying to remember like, well, I'm taking these screws out of this place. I'm going to put them back together. And, you know, we talked about the organization of that process the other day. Um, It's been really cool and it's, it is becoming very bare. There's one seat I can't get out of it yet because of some rust, but I've got the rest of the interior pretty much ripped out. I've got the um, all the headlights and taillights and stuff are out. Uh, the windshields are out. The back windows wow, are out. Wow, you're really uh, taking I can't it down. Get the door- I can't get the doors off yet because the, the Phillips head screws are gigantic. <laughs> they're way bigger than any hand screwdriver that I have, and they're stuck. So I need... Uh, like a impact version of that big bit to be able to get in there to loosen them just enough. So there's a couple things like that where I'm stuck on, I I have to go get another little tool or another little something to be able to get them loose. Lots of rusted screws. So I've had to drill out a few. Um, I've got PB blaster, like soaking on, you know, a bunch of different stuff. It's really cool, but it's also very daunting. Like I'm, I found a hole in the floor pan. So I was kind of hoping I could keep the floor pans I'm not I'm going to have to end up cutting them out and putting in new ones, so that adds another, you know, month. That's usually months. the
2: very first thing that you got to do. But you know, obviously working on the entire yeah. car.
0: Well, that I mean, I have to get the whole thing apart, um, and that's actually going to be my recommendation today. I found a, a channel I ran across it a guy named CT. He goes by CT. I don't know what his name is, and he is he works on all sorts of crazy stuff. But he just decided to start working on a Ghia like last week. So he is, and he, and he's doing it day to day. This is what he's doing until it's done. So every day the videos are like, well, I took the body off today. You know, today I cut out the floor pans. Tomorrow I'm going to put in new floor pans. So I'm watching uh, every detail because he's doing exactly what I'm about to That's do.
2: That's convenient. So. That's great.
0: Yeah. It's really handy. Um, but it, it's cool. Uh, It's a little scary because everything I take out, I'm like, yep, I got to patch that. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a, you know, I have to figure out how to work sheet metal here enough to be able to get this compound curve. Never done that before. You know, it's it's a lot of those little things. I'm getting a running list of new skills I have to attain over the next several years. But.
2: Did I ever tell you guys, That's I don't cool. know if I told it, I probably told it, but I, may, I told Taylor we were driving a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned that you bought this car McGee and that you would get into ripping it apart and then... I told her about my Volkswagen bug that I got my first Volkswagen bug actually it was my second. The first one is a different story, which is a very funny one, but I'll tell that another time. I, uh, I bought a Volkswagen bug for a hundred dollars from a friend and, what? and then the clutch went and I it was like, to me it was like brain surgery. I was too nervous. And then I sold it and then the guy brought it back and I had to take it back because he thought I sold him a faulty car. That's a whole nother story. I'll tell you another time. <laughs> but so I was able to get rid of that car. But the second Volkswagen I ever bought was a Volkswagen Super Beetle from 1971, 72, yellow with a bubble window. But the funny story is that I started doing the math ever since I was a little kid. I was born in, in 67. So by the time I first noticed this Volkswagen bug, I might've been like seven, seven or eight years old, sitting in a, in a lot near the grocery store. So when me and my mom would walk, because it was close to my house, we'd walk to the grocery store. I'd walk past this Volkswagen bug, like in the weeds, completely embedded in the, in the weeds, like kind of buried in the ground. When I first noticed this car, it was probably five years old, six years old. And so now fast forward to like 1983, 84. Uh, I guess it might've been like, yeah, 84 when I got my driver's license. And I went over there and knocked on that door and said, what's up with this car? Is it for sale? It's been, I know it's been sitting here f- as far as I could remember. And they said, uh, no, you want it? It's yours. hundred bucks. Take it away. <clears throat> so I brought a new battery. Somehow I got it started there in the driveway and I was able to get it out of the weeds. I was just a teenager. I was like a determined teenager. And I got it out of the weeds. The floorboards were so rusted that the, when I was able to get it out of the weeds and drive it, it, was only two blocks to my house. I was able to drive it. I was able to stop and start it. I knew how to drive a clutch automobile because I had experimented on a truck that I played with for a minute. And so I was able to It was a little four-speed, or was it four or three-speed? I don't remember. Yeah, it's four. And, uh, but I was able to get it off the curb. And get it out. I don't never knew the history of the car, but like it was a brand new car when it was parked there in, in like all reality. Like a five-year-old car now is like was like still a new car. Um, but somehow it got parked there and the floors were completely rotted out. And I drove home with the passenger seat scraping the ground. Only, but I only had to go a couple blocks. So the passenger seat and the whole entire thing was like pushed through to the ground. So I drove home really slow and it had no muffler on it. So it was like, Uh, it's like one of the loudest noises you could ever hear in your life is the sound of a Volkswagen with no muffler. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, people were like opening their doors to like, see if there was an emergency. But I drove it home. I got it to my driveway and I started ripping out the floors because the floors were, everything else was good. The, the quarter panels, the the running boards, you know, the Volkswagen Bugs have these cute little running boards and everything was good. Mm-hmm. It's just, the it must've just been filled with water, I, I guess. I can't imagine why. <clears throat> and I ripped out the running boards up to the little flange. There's a metal flange that like is kind of like the the weld seam that you know you would see robots in a factory welding. And I was able to rip it out up to that and I was like, oh good, I have a nice sturdy flange, and then I got some scrap cardboard, uh scrap plywood. But the reason I say cardboard is I made the templates out of cardboard, pieced together, pulled them out, jigsawed out three quarter inch plywood, plopped them right in, <laughs> fit directly on top of the metal flange all the way around the whole entire floor pan on both sides. <laughs> Oh my gosh. (laughs) Cut the seats apart, put some two by fours down, put the seats down on top of the two by fours, bolted it through the floor to the bottom, and then that was my Volkswagen bug through like most of high school. And I had a perfectly (laughs) flat floor. Like- perfectly perfectly <laughs> flat four. I mean, in the back, it got a little squirrely. So I just kind of just like I just put like flaps over it. And a funny, uh, nobody wanted to drive my car. They all thought they were going to fall through the floor. I'm like, it's totally <laughs> fine. Yeah. It's going to be fine. I might have even reinforced the seats with the two by fours to go also over the flange so that like it was fully supported. But I remember once we were driving, me and my buddy were driving, we left school and it was a major rainstorm and there was like a quick flash flood where we were driving. And all of a sudden I was driving through a puddle and like the puddle was like three inches above like the bottom of the door and the puddle was just like right through the car. Like the puddle was just like (laughs) right through the car. And my buddy's books were floating. He's like, no. (laughs) Those textbooks were floating in the- <laughs> and we made it through. And then as we were driving out of the puddle, the water in the car was going down as the car was coming up out of the puddle because the plywood was never like sealed in or anything. I just literally yeah. like force fitted in with a hammer and that was it. I never glued it, screwed it or anything. It was just banged in from the top. Gravity did the rest of the work. That was my Volkswagen. That's bug. why
0: the floorboards were rusted out in the first place. Cause <laughs> of stuff like that probably, you know? And uh, yeah, that's crazy. Uh,
2: the reason the water came in so quickly is because the floorboards. I think, like Dave, you said, like the 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 floorboards like kind of kicked up to the back passengers, and I just left like it open. So there was like a three inch gap in the back that I was like, whatever. Let's mm. put the floor mats over. No one's gonna. It doesn't matter. No one's gonna be in the back of my car, and that's why the water rushed in so quickly. But. Another time when I with that same car, I was experimenting with bodywork, me and a friend one night, one weekend in the driveway, and I there was a little dent and I fixed the dent under the rear quarter panel, the one that's the little triangle behind the door and the fender. And I painted it black with black primer. So I have this full-on yellow bug with a black panel behind the door that goes all around the window. Just I did I wanted to take the paint to the edge so at least it looked complete. So I did the other side just so it matched. So now my car looked like a bumblebee. So I had this <laughs> yellow Volkswagen super beetle with a black panel. So I look like the bumblebee. So that's my Volkswagen story. I ended up selling that car to a friend of my dad's and, uh, yeah, I sold, I think I sold it for $300. I sold
0: Wow. But I always loved that car. It's It's profit (laughs) up. Did you keep
2: the floor in it? Did you sell it with that? Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) I know what happened, which is sad. I gave them that car. Actually it was a friend of my, my brother, John's. I meant to say John, my friend, of my brother, John, uh, and they got they got T-boned at a at a stop sign, oh, nice. and the car got destroyed. Oh, uh, yeah. And he ended up being he ended up having to spend some time in the hospital. From but he made it through. But they went through. They stopped at a stop sign, and the guy didn't stop at the stop sign, and they got T-boned, and the car got demolished. That happened about five months after I sold it to them. So, dang. Yeah. All right. But yeah, that had nothing to do with the floors. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> The floors lasted through the accident, actually. Both the floors are in perfect condition because they're not metal. They just popped out. Right. And <laughs> have, like, ejection seats. Like, the floor and the seat just pops out of the top and shoots out. But I remember the girl I was dating was like, I don't want to get in this car. I'm going to fall through the floor. I'm like, you're going to be fine. Stop it. Get are going to be fine. My parents
0: had, when I was very young, they had a little Toyota pickup truck, one of those really tiny ones, and it was red. And... I remember riding in that thing a ton for a really long time. And then when my brother, who's seven years older than me, went to college, he took the truck with him. So I I don't know how long we had that thing. It was a very long time. And he came home from college one time and I went (laughs) with him somewhere and realized that at that point you could see through the floorboard on both sides of the car. Like there were multiple holes that were completely through. And that was the first time I had ever been in a car that has like such bad rust that we might not have a floor when we get back to the house. You know, it was really, really bad. But he continued to drive it and still drove fine. You just had to put your feet in the right place.
2: I have another very funny story about having a hole in the floor of a car. So my dad always bought used cars growing up. He never, ever bought a new car. Like, I I still think at this point he still never has owned a brand new car. So he would always buy cars from other firemen in the New York City Fire Department. And one day he came home with, and we were real little, this was like 74 or 5, so... I must have been. I was like seven, six or seven years old. My dad came home with a 1966-67 Chevy Nova station wagon. That was all white and the interior was bright red. It was this crazy looking. I if I could find one, it's coolest looking old station wagon. It was just at that point where like cars are starting to look modern, but this still looked old. Kind of looked like uh like a 64 Oldsmobile, like you see in hip-hop videos. Kind of looked like that style. And the interior was this uh, bright, bright red, and it had these like flip-up seats, and it had the, like, the flip-up seats, so you could sit in the back like as kids, and we could look out the back window. But the passenger, the the back seat floor behind the driver's seat, one day we were driving, my dad was taking us somewhere, and my brother lifted up the rubber mat, and you could just see the street underneath it. There was like a 10-inch hole, and there was a, it was like a big, rusted mm. hole that you could just see the sh- Like, if you weren't paying attention, you could stick your foot completely through it. So... While we were driving, my, my, while we would drive, we would tie toys to strings and hang them out of the hole in the back of the car (laughs) to see what would happen to them. So we'd take long car trips and we'd like, Fish the string out. My dad never knew we were doing this. We would be in the backseat fiddling around with a string and a toy. And we dragged the toy from like all the way to my aunt's house, which is like a 30-mile ride. And then we pulled the toy back in while we were driving to see how badly beat up it got. But I remember tying the strings around the little play people from play, play school, yeah. like the little peg body people, and then putting it out. And I remember because the, the hair was made out of poly propylene you know like the like the riveted on hair mm-hmm. and when it scratched it kind of got sharp and you couldn't clean it you couldn't like rub it and get it clean again and we pulled one up out of the thing and the wood part was chipped because in the old one at my age the bottom ones were real wood and the top was like polypropylene hair and the hair was all chipped and the wood was chipped and the hair was all scraped up and i was like why did I just do that? Why did I just destroy this perfectly good little molded thing just to see what? Now I know what happens when you drag things in the street—they get ruined. And like you know, it was kind of like a little yep. like, child curiosity experiment. But that's that's my story. <laughs> then my dad eventually well, bought I think a different your, use car.
0: Your story also answered one of your earlier questions. You were talking about overlanding, and you didn't understand why people went to the effort to put in toilets and stuff into their vans. Put a hole in the floorboard. That works. It's like an airplane. Just drop it
2: wherever you need it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well, that that would be uh, funny if you put a toilet in an Overland vehicle and you just open up the lid and it just goes right to the floor. (laughs) It's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. As long as you're heading down
0: the road. Yeah. Hmm. anyway uh, <laughs> let me thank our patreon supporters who i'm sure are very happy that they're supported this podcast at this point but big thanks to odin leather goods cory from makeshape create Lore, uh, rich at low End designs blondie hacks Funkiss artistic creations you can make this too chad from Maincrafting works by solo albers woodworks and Corey ward uh big thanks to them and everybody else who supports us over there we are really grateful for you we had a couple emails this week I think too, asking if there was going to be any more uh, space in that list of top supporters so we could add more people to it. I don't think so. I don't think we're going to like, I don't want to say a thousand names. Uh, I want to reward those people for sticking around. But thank you for your interest, those people who want to be on that list. Um, Big thanks to everybody that supports us over there and everybody at every level gets the after show, which we're going to go record right now.
1: And who knows what we'll talk about. Since we talked about we'll talk about my stuff. bad day yesterday and how I had to take a hard reset. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, we should yeah. have led with that. But yeah, OK, I, <laughs> cool. I forgot about it. I had to block it out of my memory. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yesterday was a bad day. Oh, no. OK, well,
0: I guess we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, so big thanks to them. If you want to join that crew, if you want to hear about David's bad day, go to <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash making it. Do you guys have something you want to recommend?
2: Uh, yeah, I could say uh, Justin White. You guys remember Justin White? Make ideas reality. He did his first new uh, reinvigorated podcast with me. It's published today, and he takes an interesting approach. I mean, I I, I always like his podcast because he he. It's more than oh my god, uh, everyone's calling me at this moment. He tries to do more than just like your average conversation. He took the approach of why do I always say yes to everything? And do I have a fear of losing opportunities by saying no? So it was interesting. It it sparked a a really good conversation.
1: Yeah. Sweet. So I don't listen to podcasts, but every once in a while I'll watch a podcast. And so I have two to recommend. Um, And both of them are interviews with Casey Neistat. One is Bert Kreischer, uh, oh yeah, yeah, hour-long interview with Casey, and then another one uh, is Stevo. <laughs> Apparently, he has a podcast. Um, he's got an hour-long interview with Casey, and it's so interesting. Um, I don't remember if he talked about it in both or in one of them, but Casey was talking about when he did his daily vlog. He did like 800 episodes in a row without, without a break, which is just bonkers. And he says he has no regrets, but um, he says it was basically it was pretty dumb. Like it, it it took away from family. He was faking family life. He was not present. Um, he was faking being present. Maybe he wasn't faking family life, but he was faking being present in the vlogs um, but he really wasn't there. he would have to be, yeah. because
2: when you think about making a video, like even just like whenever I know it gets to like a Friday, I completely check out of everything else and just focus on trying to get the video published mm-hmm. for Saturday yeah. morning. I mean, that's what I've been doing every week. And imagine doing that every day. I can only yeah. imagine yeah. like the stress he put his family on. Yeah,
1: I mean, he says he'd be there, you know, at the kitchen table or whatever and involved in a conversation. But all he's thinking about is how am I going to finish this vlog? When am I going to edit this and his, so his mind was somewhere else, and it was just interesting because people see him um at least in the in the YouTube world as, as this very successful um pioneer of these types of, of of videos, but it really took a toll on him and um he's got these tattoos I I not work harder or do more maybe he has i don't know and uh which is funny. Because now he says he does nothing. He's just with his family. He is saying no to all these opportunities. He's just being a dad right now. So he, he went from this like, mm. you need to work all the time to maybe I overdid it. So it's very interesting.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'd like to check that out. Cool. Um, well, mine is what I was talking about earlier. The channel that um, goes by CT. I wish I knew the guy's name, um, but I don't. So uh, I'll put a link to just the channel, but he has a bunch of different stuff that he works on there. He's doing the Carmage right now, but he works on, like, these old... He'll find just old rusted stuff in the swamp (laughs) and, like, bring it out and work on it. So uh, it's, you know, not super high production value or anything, but he seems to have a pretty awesome practical knowledge of how things work. So he's just working on stuff. It's cool. Uh, You guys got anything else? That should be it. Cool. All right. Well, I'm anxious to hear about your bad day. <laughs> so, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. And we'll catch you next time.
1: Thank you. Love you. Later. Love you too.